Lord, because you have received a miracle. Is there anybody that can testify? Just wave your hand. You have received a miracle. If you can't raise your hand as a testimony, you ought to raise it by faith that the same God who could bless somebody else can bless you the same way. Hallelujah to the Lamb. Let's go to God in prayer and ask God's blessings on our time. Father, we bless you and thank you for today. We pray now that everything that we do and everything that we say will be pleasing in your sight, that it will bring glory and honor to you. We thank you for navigating our lives and allowing us to experience your grace and mercy afresh and anew. Now bless us as your word goes forth and may your word find fertile ground in our hearts and minds that we would leave here not just being hearers of your word, help us to be doers as well. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Most of us who pray focus on typically the content of our prayers and the correctness of our prayers. When I talk about the content of our prayers, we want to make sure we're not praying amiss. We want to make sure we are praying in God's will for our lives. When we talk about the correctness of our prayers, we, we want to make sure that our prayers are prayed correctly when we Hear the disciples in Matthew chapter 6 and the other synoptic versions talking about, Lord, teach us to pray. We want to make sure we're praying in the correct way. But my brothers and my sisters, today I want to challenge you because as we typically focus on what we pray and how we pray, we tend to miss the idea of listening for the answer to our prayers. Uh, when's the last time God answered a prayer of yours? Maybe the better question is, when's the last time you recognize he answered the prayer and celebrated that answer? See, most of us know how to have a one-way conversation with God. We know how to talk to God, but we don't understand the importance of listening in our prayers. Today, I want to continue our look at this subject, how to pray your way to a win. And I want to focus on this idea of listening to what God is saying in response to our prayers. I've learned that sometimes when we are praying and asking God to do something, sometimes God just wants us to listen and respond accordingly to what he tells us to do. If you have your outlines, would you say amen? amen. If you need an outline, raise your hand and the ushers will get one to you. Two things I want you to see today around this idea of praying to win and specifically around the idea of listening to what God has to say in response to our prayers. Here's the first thing. Number one, when you pray, you must be open to hear what the Lord is saying to you. You must be open to hear what the Lord is saying. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, 
the son of Zechariah, son of Benaiah, son of Jael, son of Mataniah, a Levite of the sons of Asaph, in the midst of the assembly. The spirit of the Lord came upon this brother. Now, you will recall that Jehoshaphat has been praying. And he gets to the conclusion of his prayer. We talked last week when they got to verse 12 and he says, Lord, we don't know what to do. We are powerless against this great horde coming against us. We don't know what to do, but our eyes are focused on you. And I think most of us agreed last week that your eyes being focused on the Lord is a great thing. The problem is most of us don't want to go through what it takes to make us focus on the Lord. See, you typically focus on the Lord when you have literally exhausted all of your power, all of your contacts, all of your resources, and there's nothing else to be done. That's typically when we start focusing on the Lord. Wouldn't it be nice if we started focusing at the beginning and didn't have to go through all of that other stuff before we recognize that we need and must focus on God? The Bible says in verse 13, the people stood. The people stood after they prayed. And then the Spirit of God moved. God heard their prayers. But watch this. Before God did anything, he gave them instructions, and they had to be open to hear what the Lord was saying. Now, here's what's interesting. This, this man, Jehaziel, uh, some would pronounce his name Yahaziel. His name has an interesting meaning. It, it means literally beheld of God, that he was beheld of God, that, that, that God saw him, God God saw him. And, and what was interesting to me was all of these other names that was associated with this brother. Because I was thinking to myself, man, is this four or five people that he's talking about? No, in actuality, he's talking about one person. He says, Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaniah, the son of Jael, the son of Mataniah. In other words, he goes back. He's like the son of, the grandson of, the great-grandson of, the great-great-grandson of. I'm like, wow, what a spiritual lineage. What a spiritual heritage. And I want you to see how that heritage prepares Jehaziel to hear what the Lord is saying and positions him to be used by God. The son of Zechariah, the word Zechariah literally means Jah has remembered. Jah or Yahweh has remembered. Benaniah means Yah has built. Yah has built. Jael means carried away of God, carried away of God. And Mataniah means gift of Jah or gift of Yahweh. Now, here's what's interesting. All of these names have spiritual significance. In other words, when Jehaziel had any doubt as to the faithfulness of God, all he had to do was look back at his family and remember their names. Because there's names, those names reflected who God was in the life of his family and positioned him to be able to hear and be used by God. Now, let me be honest with you. I don't have that kind of spiritual lineage. 
I mean, I can go back to my, my mother, my grandmother, my great-grandfather, but their names didn't have these kinds of spiritual significance, right? But here's what I can do. I can look back over my history and over my family's history and identify the faithfulness of God. See, one of the lessons that I think God wants us to learn is many times we get so preoccupied in the present with what we're dealing with right now that we lose sight of the confidence we can have in our present based on what God has already done in our past. If we can just look back in our lives and recognize that the one who began a good work will bring it to completion and that God has been faithful in my past and because of his faithfulness in my past and the fact that I don't believe he brought me this far to leave me, I can now find comfort to hear what God has to say to me. Listen to me carefully. Prayer is not just talking to God. Prayer also includes learning how to listen to God and hear what God is saying. Uh, one of my favorite movies of all times is The Colored Purple. And one of my favorite scenes is at the end of that movie when, when Suge is over there in that juke joint, as we would call it, and she could hear those church folk giving God some praise and, and, and they're over there in the church, and they said, what, what song should we sing? And they said, Let, let's sing God is trying to tell you something. And, and they start singing God is trying to tell you something. And you remember the scene, Suge is singing, and she's doing her little thing, and then she keeps on hearing this song break through in the midst of her own song that God is trying to tell you something. She's singing her song, but the song of the Lord is breaking through while she's singing her song, and she changes her song. Come on, she starts singing, God is trying to tell you something. And she makes her way with the rest of the crowd over there. And they walk down the middle aisle of that church singing and shouting, God is trying to tell you something. <laughs> Listen to me carefully. The issue is not whether or not God is trying to tell you something. The issue is, are you listening? Have you stopped long enough to let God talk to you? See, many of us in our prayer life, we're like the person who calls somebody and starts talking and run, running their mouth, running their mouth, running their mouth, and then when they get through talking, say, okay, I got to go, bye. <laughs> we go to God and we say, God, I want to talk to you about something, and I want to lay these issues, and I want to lay them on the altar, and God, I want to tell you, I want to tell you, and tell you, and then he say, okay, now, thank you, God, in Jesus' name, bye. <laughs> and the question is, do you stop to hear from God. What do you need to do to hear from God? You see, somebody may be asking right now, well, how does God talk to you? And I want you to know that God has a multiplicity of ways to communicate to us. He can communicate in a still, small voice. God may communicate through a spoken word. He may communicate through a word that is sung. He can communicate through a friend, a family member. You might turn on Christian radio and hear a message that comes across that was just tailor-made for you. You thought it was a coincidence, but it was a God incident. God literally navigated time and brought you to the place where your need coincided and intersected with his message. But here's what I want you to know. However you hear from God, God will never communicate to you in a way that is contradictory to his word. 
See, whenever you hear somebody talk about what God told me, typically God told me is a person's trump card. That's big joker. Right? When you arguing with somebody, you talking to somebody, they say, well, God told me. When somebody tells me that, I'm like, okay, you got it. <laughs> big joker. God told you. But you can always check as to whether or not God did the telling by whether or not what they were told is in alignment with his word. Because God is not going to tell you anything contradictory to his word. Look at Numbers 23, verse 26. But Balaam answered Balak, did I not tell you all that the Lord says I must do? Psalm 85, verse 8, the New Living Translation. Let's read it together. I listen carefully to what God the Lord is saying, for he speaks peace to his faithful people. But let them not return to their foolish ways. The Lord is speaking. Question is, are you listening? The Bible says that this man heard from the Lord and stood before the people. And look at what he said. Listen, all, all Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem, verse 15, and King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord to you. Thus says the Lord to you. They didn't pray and then jump out there and start fighting. You know that's how some of us do, right? We pray and say, Lord, give us the direction. Give me direction. Tell me what you want me to do. And then we get up off our knees and say, okay, now what am I going to do? And God said, wait a minute, you just asked me, can you wait till I give you directions and tell you what needs to be done? Because the answer from God may be move, but the answer from God may be just stand still and watch me do what nobody else can do. Here's the second thing. Number two, when you pray, you must realize the battle belongs to the Lord, not you. When you pray, you must realize the battle belongs to the Lord, not you. When you pray, I submit to you, my brothers and sisters, the realization that the battle belongs to God should affect and change how you pray. How does your prayer change? How is your prayer shaped when you recognize that the battle belongs to the Lord? Look at A, your fear will be dispelled when you realize the fight belongs to God. Your fear will be dispelled. Look at what the writer of 2 Chronicles says. Verse 15, the B part. Thus says the Lord to you, do not be afraid. And do not be dismayed at this great horde. Underline that, do not be afraid. Go down to verse 17. You will not need to fight in this battle. Stand firm, hold your position, and see the salvation of the Lord on your behalf, O Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid and do not be dismayed. Two times in two verses, the Lord says, do not be afraid and do not be dismayed. Why would God say that? Because he knew Jehoshaphat was what? Scared. The Bible says earlier in the chapter that Jehoshaphat was afraid. He saw insurmountable odds 
He saw enemies who had come together to come against the people of Judah and Jerusalem. He knew that they were in danger of being wiped off the face of the earth in his mind. He could not see victory in any way, shape, form, or fashion. He said, I can't look to my enemies. I've got to focus on you, Lord. But there was fear in his heart. And so God says, don't be afraid. Listen, when you discover God is going to fight for you, you no longer have to be afraid of the enemy you're going to face. God is stepping in the ring on your behalf. So if God is stepping in the ring, it's like God saying, let me take care of this light work. You're looking at the enemy saying, man, the enemy is too much for me to handle, too big for me to handle. I can't see a way out. And God says, I understand. Now, just recognize the battle is mine. So allow your fear to be assuaged. Allow your fear to dissipate. Put your faith and your trust in me. Watch B. Not only will your fear be dispelled, B, your fighting will be unnecessary when you realize the fight belongs to God. Your fighting will be unnecessary. Second Chronicles 20, verse 16, tomorrow go down against them. Behold, they will come up by the ascent of Ziz. You will find them at the end of the valley, east of the wilderness of Jeruel. You will not need to fight in this battle. Now, here's what's interesting. God says, go down. They will come up. You will find them at the end of the valley, east of the wilderness, but you will not need to fight. Show up to where the fight is going to be, but you won't have to throw a blow. I just need you to be a witness to what I'm going to do. Your fight and your fighting will be unnecessary. I don't know about you, but it's tremendously freeing to know that I don't need to worry, I don't need to be afraid, and I don't need to figure out how to throw a punch. See, there's somebody in here right now, this message is literally the answer to some prayers that you've been praying because you've been fighting enemies that you can't even identify. And they've been throwing punches from every which way, all kinds of directions. And the battles have been coming at you even when you thought everything should be good. Why? Because you have been blessed in your life. Stay with me. I'm going somewhere. You have been blessed in your life. And sometimes the enemies that have revealed themselves are the people who are closest to you. The people that you thought would celebrate your good times are the people who are now turning against you. It's called envy. They're looking at you now and they're hating on you. For somebody else, maybe you're going through some bad times and there are folk that are excited about your bad times, not knowing your setback is only a set up for a comeback. They don't understand that God has a plan that he's molding and making you and shaping you into what he wants you to be and you are sitting there trying to figure out how to throw a punch. 
And God says your fighting is unnecessary. God says, I don't even need you to throw a punch. Somebody said, why would God not need my punch? Because with your punch comes a desire to take his glory. <laughs> Let me make it plain. See, see, if you got in there and you started throwing your punches and you started flailing away and then you opened your eyes and your enemy was laid out, you know what you would do? Take credit. Man, man how'd you do that? I, man, I don't know. I just got in there and something told me to just start throwing punches and I just started swinging and I opened my eyes and look, he was knocked out. And God says, no, when your enemy is dealt with, I don't want any confusion over who should get the glory. Listen, somebody in here can testify. You've been in some fights, and when you went into the fight, you didn't know how you was going to make it out. And when you got through with the fight, you know how you made it out, but it wasn't by your hand. It was by God's hand. And sometimes your enemies are wondering what hit them. It was God. Can I tell you something? There have been people who have come against me, and I've gotten to the place now, praise God. I, I don't know if I'm going to always stay here, but I'm here right now. I'm going to celebrate where I am right now. I don't even pray for God to get them. Now, let me be honest. I used to pray for God to get them. Lord, you know they did your servant wrong. Get them. In Jesus' name. You got to throw that in Jesus' name in there. You know, make it spiritual. You know what I mean? But, but, but I've gotten to the place now where I just say, Lord, you know what? Let your will be done. I, I mean, I, I've, I've, I've had some things happen, and the Lord told me to hold my peace. Let him handle it. Had folk lie on me, and the Lord said, just hold your peace. Attorney said, do you want to sue? God said, no, to hold your peace. Hold your peace and let me fight your battles. For somebody in here, God wants you to know your fighting is unnecessary. Let's go to the last thing. See, your faith will be strengthened when you realize the fight belongs to God. Your faith will be strengthened when you realize the fight belongs to God. You will... Not need to fight in this battle, 17B. Stand firm, hold your position, and see the salvation of the Lord on your behalf, O Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid and do not be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them and the Lord will be with you. The Lord will be with you. Now, now remember... When Jehoshaphat was praying earlier and Jehoshaphat talked about the person of God and the presence of God and the power of God and the provision of God. Do you remember that? All of those things that Jehoshaphat talked about and reminded the people of Israel of who God had been in their past. Now God says to Je Jehoshaphat and to the people, who I was in your past is who I am in your present. Same God back then is the same God right now. I will 
be with you. Stand firm. Hold your position and see the salvation of the Lord. Listen, the power of faith is not the amount of faith you have. It's the object of your faith. See, you can have a whole lot of faith in the wrong object and end up in trouble. But if you have just a little bit of faith in the right object, let me give you a picture. It, it, it fits here. Um, if you have a whole lot of faith in a thin sheet of ice, you can walk out on that ice if you want to with all of your faith. But a whole lot of faith in a thin sheet of ice will result in you falling through that ice. But if you've got a little bit of faith in a whole lot of ice, that big old thick four foot thick piece of ice will hold you up even with just a little bit of faith because it's not the amount of faith you have. It's the object of your faith. That's why Jesus said if you have faith the size of a grain of mustard seed, you can tell that mountain to move. The faith is not in the mountain. The faith is in the God who can move a mountain. So the question is, where is your faith? In whom, in what do you put your faith? When you recognize that the battle belongs to God, your faith can be strengthened because your faith should be in God and not in your ability to fight. Your faith has to be in God and the fact that God is with you. Man, I remember I was a little fella in elementary school. And, and I got in this little fight with Paul, Jacob Reese Housing Projects. Man, got in this little fight with Paul, and, uh, and I won the little fight. And, and after the fight was over, I remember I was hearing kids holler, Will somebody go tell Chester? And when they said go tell Chester, I made a beeline for my apartment. <laughs> now, Chester was Paul's older brother. And Chester was in middle school, should have been in high school. <laughs> if I'm not mistaken, I think Chester was like 15 in the fourth grade or something. You know, I mean, he just, <laughs> he was on that extended educational plan. You know what I mean? And, and Chester had a little crew with him. Chester, Vincent, a couple other ones, man, used to hang out with Chester, right? And so everybody went to go get Chester, man. So I made a beeline upstairs to my apartment. I could hear them hollering, talking about, man, where's dirt? Where's dirt? Man, man, look, man, look at what, look at what he did to Paul. And they were looking for me. <laughs> and I remember my mother asked me, why are you in the house uh, in the middle of the day? I'm like, oh, I don't feel well, you know. <laughs> and I made it a point to stay away from Chester and Paul's side of the project. Like, I wasn't even going to go over there, right? I'm going over here, and I'm always going to be with my friends or whatnot. And so we were playing some little rough tackle, you know, football. And, uh, and I remember I was sitting there on the side, and my back was against the fence, and somebody kicked me in the back. Now, he ain't kicked me hard, but just the shock of seeing Chester and his boys on the other side of that foot. Man, I, I, I jumped up 
and man, I, man, I was so scared, tears just started rolling on my face. I was like, oh, man. <laughs> and, 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 the, and the boy who, who ran our little crew who was high school age and middle school named Marvin, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Marvin came and took up for me. He was like, man, why, why you want to mess with little man, man? You know, man, that's, that's my boy, and blah, 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 blah. And they go back and forth. But we kind of outnumbered big to little, even though we had more little than big. And, and so somehow I got out of that. And I made a beeline back home. And so when I get to the apartment, I walk in, and, you know, I've been playing rough tackle football. So, you know, I'm all dirty and everything. And, and then I've been crying. So, you know, there's some dirt lines going down my face and everything, right? And, and my father said, what's wrong with you? And, man, when he said that, I started crying all over again, man. Oh, Chester, man, kicked me in my back. Now he, he just tapped me in the back, right? But I'm, man, he kicked me in my back. <laughs> and my father said, who's Chester? Chester visiting them boys over there on FDR Drive. Where's Chester now? He over the schoolyard. He over there playing basketball. He said, come on, let's go see Chester. And I went, you go, yeah, huh? We're going to go see Chester? Let's go see Chester. My dad was on disability. He had his little cane, right? And he was walking. And uh, we hit the schoolyard. And they out there playing ball. And my father hollers out, who's Chester? And the ball just bounces all by itself. Everybody runs. Nobody points out Chester, but everybody looks at Chester. They're like, we ain't snitching, but it ain't us. My father said, you Chester? Yeah. And my father starts walking towards him. He says, you got a problem with my son? No, I ain't got no problem with your son. No, I think you got a problem with your, my son. And if you got a problem with my son, then you got a problem with me. And Chester kept on backing up, and he said, where you going? He said, well, you got a stick. You might hit me with that stick. And, man, my father, he, he threw that stick, had to throw it about 50 yards. He just threw the stick. He said, I don't need no stick. And Chester, in wisdom, because he had some age, <laughs> kept on backing up. Paul had a big brother, but I had a father. And when my father showed up, yeah. guess what? I ain't jump out there talking about, no, nah, dad, let me get at Chester. Let me get to him. Because Chester's proclivity with his fist didn't change. Chester and Vincent's ability didn't change. What changed was the presence of my father. And because my father was there, I had confidence. Because I knew he was going to have my back. Guess who I never had a problem with again as long as I lived in the projects? Never, never ever had a problem with Chester, Vincent, or anybody else again. If they saw me coming, they went the other way. Never said a word to me cross ever again because they knew my father. I'm trying to help somebody in here to understand that when you recognize that the Lord is on your side, can I get one or two people who are not ashamed to recognize when the Lord is on your side and you know God will fight your battles. 
Anybody in here had God fight some battles for you? Anybody in here ever had God make a way for you? Anybody in here had God take care of you? Watch, watch what God says. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 1. I'm going to let you go. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 29. Then I said to you, do not be in dread or afraid of them. The Lord your God who goes before you will himself fight for you. Just as he did for you in Egypt before your eyes and in the wilderness where you have seen how the Lord your God carried you as a man carries his son all the way that you went until you came to this place. Bible says, by pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night, God led them. God was with them. God says, just like I carried you in the past. He's talking to Israel. He says, man, just like I carried you in the past, I can carry you even right now. Somebody in here, God says, just look back over your life and recognize that you haven't gotten where you are by yourself. And for somebody, you didn't even realize God was fighting for you. God was throwing punches for you in secret while you were suffering in silence. God brought you out now on the other side of what you've come through. You ought to be able to look back and say, you know what? I don't have to wonder how I made it over. I should be able to look back and say, I know how I made it. It was nobody but the Lord. Come on, somebody. It was the Lord who kept you. It was the Lord who brought you. It was the Lord who made a way for you. It was the Lord who kept you in your right mind. Look at Deuteronomy 31, verse 6. Be strong. Let's read it together. Be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread of them. For it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Second Chronicles 32, be strong and courageous, verse 7 says. Do not be afraid or dismayed before the king of Assyria and all the horde that is with him, for there are more with us than with him. With him is an arm of flesh, but with us is the Lord our God to help us and to fight our battles. And the people took confidence from the words of Hezekiah, king of Judah. 1 Samuel 17, 47, and that all this assembly may know that the Lord saves not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hand. You know 1 Samuel 17. You remember who was speaking those words? That's David. David is talking to Goliath. Another situation when God's chosen faces an insurmountable, overwhelming enemy. Nobody thinks David can be victorious. Even to this day, whenever you have a long shot, an underdog fighting against somebody heavily favored in any sporting event, in, in any political contest, they talk about a David and Goliath kind of matchup. But David said to Goliath, the battle is the Lord's and he will give you in our hands. 
And all I need somebody to leave here with is in the midst of your battles, in the midst of your fights, leave here knowing that the battle is not yours. The battle belongs to God. For somebody in here, you're fighting an unnecessary fight. Because as long as you fight, you don't leave room for God to fight. But when you step back and step out of the ring, uh, if you will, a little tag team action. And you tag and let God come in the ring. God will fight your battles. Have I got a witness here? That's why when the writer says the arm of the flesh is against us, but when God is on your side to fight your battles, he's more than everybody that's against us. In other words, when God is for you, y'all excuse me, he's, he's more than the world against you. When you recognize that the battle is the Lord's and not yours, you can stand and say, greater is he that is with me than he that is in the world. When you recognize that the battle is the Lord's and not yours, you can say, Lord, have your way and do what only you can do. When you recognize the battle is the Lord's and not yours, you can say no weapon formed against me shall prosper because I know if God is for me, he can handle any situation that comes my way. Here's all I need you to know. When you let God fight your battles, he makes up for all that you're not. In other words, what you can't do. How many of you know God can do? That's why the Bible says God neither slumbers nor sleeps. So there's no need in both of us staying up all night. Because if God neither slumbers nor sleeps, then I can get a good night rest. Because I can trust in him to do what I can't do. Have I got a witness in here? Maybe I've got one or two witnesses who are not ashamed to testify and stand on your feet and say, I know for myself that when God fights your battles, God can do what no other power can do. Have I got a witness in here? Yes. Yes. When you let God handle it, he knows how to work it out while you're trying to figure it out. Anybody know God can work it out? Matter of fact, let me testify. I've gone to bed with a problem and woke up with a solution. Not because of what I did, but because of what God did while I was sleeping. He's able to change minds. He's able to maneuver and manipulate situations. He's able to turn your enemies into your footstools. He'll prepare a table before you in the presence of your enemies. He knows how to bless you even when folk are trying to curse you. He can take what was meant for evil and turn it around for your good. Yes! 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 <laughs> ah!
Somebody say the battle is, is yours, Lord. The battle is yours. The battle is yours. The child that won't act right, the battle is yours. Too much for me to handle. I can't fight that battle. The battle is yours. Marriage is going wrong instead of right. No matter what I try to do, the battle is yours, Lord. It's not mine too big for me to handle. I can't, I can't fight that battle. Lord, the battle is yours. Bad boss, cantankerous co-workers, battle is not mine, Lord. It's, it's yours. The battle belongs. Sickness in the body. Doctors doing the best that they can. Lord, the battle is yours. Troubled mind, broken heart, can't seem to get right. God, the battle is yours. Try to do right, but my good is evil spoken of. Every time I make two steps forward, seems like I get knocked back three. The battle is yours, Lord. Somebody ought to say thank you, Lord. Thank you. And for those of you God has already shown he can fight a better battle than you can, you ought to give him some praise today. Come on, if you know God, if you know God is a better fighter, if you know God is a better leader, those of you who are standing stand as a testimony now for somebody who's sitting if you need God to fight for you right now I want you to stand as an act of faith just to say you know what Lord I need you to fight for me I, I, I can't fight anymore come on all the fight is out of me I, God, God I'm just beat down beat up I, I, I'm 